Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Medic's Mind, the podcast. I have a blog post that I would like to read to you today, and it's fitting because it's a Remembrance Day post. So, well, you know what? Let's just get right into it. What's going on, folks? And thanks for coming by the podcast. So, as said in the intro, I do have a blog post that I want to read to you today. And it's a Remembrance Day post, which is fitting for the day, um, which is why I'm doing this. But I, I want to explain something that, you know, the subject matter of what I'm reading about, albeit traumatic in reality, this format, the, the reading of a post, makes it easier for me to regurgitate because I get to focus on the objectivity of reading line after line. So it it becomes easier for me to explain to you troubling things, the the things that, the the, the albatross of what Remembrance Day means to me, because it it is a burdensome time with respect to rumination. You know, it's, it's really tough for me to stay out of that ruminative pool and to not get sucked in and bogged down by overwhelming sadness. And I am, I really am diligently trying uh, to stay out of it. You know, for well over 10 years, I thought that I was honoring my friends by going to the bar and buying them a drink out of military tradition. You know, you, you buy a couple of drinks uh, for the guys that aren't coming and you, you write a little note. Uh, for who it's for, and the poignancy behind that symbolism is that those drinks never get drank, and the reason behind that is your friends can't come and drink those drinks. So it's it's a poignant way uh, to to just kind of honor their memory. Now I'm not saying that's a bad way to do things, but I don't think I was quite doing it correctly. And you know, I was I was drunk. You know, I was I was just I was satiating my own pain or trying to anyway. Um, This is the first year that I'm going to be partaking and feeling Remembrance Day completely sober. And that is, you know, at the time of the recording, it's a couple days before Remembrance Day. So it's, it's a really daunting thing for me to think about being sober on Remembrance Day. Not because I enjoy being drunk, but because it's painful. Remembrance Day is painful. I don't just remember the sacrifices of of the veterans of World Wars one and two in Korea and, and all the way up through to today but it's it's a real time of remembrance for me because I have friends brothers that I served with that that aren't here now that are dead now and I have intimate knowledge of how and in the circumstances surrounding that and it's hard for me so I I now, in a sober frame of mind, I, I do want to honor their legacy. I do want to honor who they were as people. And I want to do it the right way. And I, I, I think that by reading this post, not only will you gain a deeper understanding of what my mindset is and, and how I think and how I feel and some of the the events that, you know, that that have impacted me to, to today, through to today, um, but I think that you'll also have a better understanding 
of why this day is so important to me and why now that I am sober, why I want to be able to do things right. Why I want to be able to do things befitting of the legacy of, of my friends, of my brothers. So with that, let's get right into the reading. And I, I hope you enjoy it with... Uh, enjoy is such a terrible word to say with, with subject matter like this. I hope that you get something from it. Yeah, that's better. All right, let's do this. I was young, arrogant, maybe. Though my youthful soul had been tested and forged within the fires of tragedy and tribulation, nothing had prepared me for what I was doing in that moment on that runway. I stood rigid, still, tall, and motionless, in spite of the galling winds. To my left, a man dressed just like me, and to my right, the same. I stood within a row of brothers, brothers that were once strangers. Now we stood shoulder to shoulder, bound by our devotion to duty. And in that moment, our duty was to perform one of the single most difficult things I have ever had to do. On that day, I was 23 years old. And on that same day, a 23-year-old was dead. I joined the army shortly after high school. I did not come from a lineage of soldiers nor servicemen. My desire to serve grew from a feeling of inadequacy growing up. It was born from helplessness and despair. When I was growing up, I had to watch as my father revealed himself to be a monster and a coward, a man who beats children and molests them too. I watched as my mother's body became broken, bruised and tormented by cancer and chemo. I even held deceased columns of my mother's hair in my hand as I tried to hold it back from the toilet as she rid herself of the medicinal poison, one explosion after the other. I watched my siblings come and go. When they left, it was not from desire nor their first day of college. The causation was my mother's unpredictably venomous wrath. Even when she was healthy, she was sick. I was relegated by my diminutive age to watch and observe all of this. And watch, I did. I watched and could do nothing about any of it. Year by year, I felt as though I was growing more and more useless. Until one day, I saw an opportunity to help. I saw a soldier on TV and was captivated and admittedly flummoxed by the red cross that boasted from his arm. I had never seen a soldier with the markings of a medic holding a rifle before. I began reading books at my school library about wartime medics and what they did. Each ingested line of knowledge that I consumed gave birth to a rapidly growing fire of an idea. I was going to join the army. I thought it would be a great way to help those in need, as well as procure the resource that my mother so ravenously desired. Money. Our family was not well off, much to the chagrin of my dear mom. The idea of joining the army seemed perfect on all fronts. My older brother took me to the local recruiting station the summer after I had graduated. I had resigned myself to the fact that I was going to be an infantryman. I didn't think I was smart enough to be a medic, and thus decided that a grunt was better than nothing. A few weeks later, I was called back to the recruiting center to receive the results of my enlistment process. When the officer began to speak, she did so through soft tone and an almost sympathetic oration. She knew how badly I wanted to serve, but she broke the news to me. I couldn't. At least, 
not as an infantry soldier. My eyesight was too poor for combat arms trades. I was devastated and once again reduced to inadequacy. I felt myself wanting to cry. I swallowed hard with staccato until the feeling transformed into anger. I raised my head, looked at the female officer in the eyes and thanked her for her time. As I stood up to skulk off into the ether of civilian indolence, her empathetic voice halted me. She informed me that my eyesight was not good enough for combat arms, but indicated that I had scored high enough on my entry exam to enlist into a support trade. She then slid a handful of pamphlets across her desk towards me, and as if by some form of movie magic and heartwarming scripting, the first leaflet atop of them all read, Medic. I scored high enough to be a medic. Matthew J. Hennigan was going to be a soldier that boasted a red cross on his arm. And that's exactly what happened. I passed all forms of testing, all phases of military training, until that fateful day came that I was given the title Medic. No longer useless, but a titular hero instead, I thought. And that is how these men that stood on either side of me became my brothers. We trained together, lived together, and served together. Everything that we did, it was done as one, one cohesive unit, an unbreakable bond, a band, a band of brothers. We laughed together, fought with one another, drank and made up with one another. We celebrated when one of us was stupid enough to run off and get married, and we comforted each other when no one else would. We did it all together, and when one of us died, well... Little bits of us died as well. Boomer, or Corporal Andrew James Eichelenboom, aged 23, was one of our brothers. He too boasted a red cross on his arm, and on a warm August day in 2006, he gave his life in service to his country. To you, to me, to all of us. A few days after his death, I stood alongside my remaining brothers on a runway after having just placed a flag-draped casket into the mouth of an awaiting hearse. I stood in a row of four. Across from me, another row of four. We stared back at one another, and we did not move. We were statues of discipline. And when my eye first caught sight of Boomer's mother and father, I did not move. They slowly walked towards the wheeled tomb that now held their son, we were stood on either side of them. Amidst the cacophonous hum of jet engines, I could hear horrible sobs of bereavement leave the chest of Maureen, Boomer's mom. Behind them, a tall figure that resembled a dead man with unrivaled accuracy, Boomer's brother. Once more, all I could do was watch and do nothing. On the outside, I was the perfect carving of a soldier, stoic and still. On the inside... I was precipitously disintegrating into a wounded boy, a damn child, a child that felt inadequate. Later that evening, the boys and I once again found ourselves shoulder to shoulder, this time while sat at the bar. We each held a cold bottle or glass in our hand. The TV atop of the bar screamed at all of us while showing us images of earlier in the day. We watched ourselves in third person carrying the remains of our fallen brother. What a surreal moment to have as a memory of experience. There is no training that prepares you for that. Boomer would not be the only brother that I would lose while in service. 
Many more soldiers that boasted the Red Cross would die. There is no training that prepares you for that, either. So, as you can likely imagine, this time of year is hard for me. Hard for many like me. I am no longer stood shoulder to shoulder, though. I am alone, in a sense. This year, this Remembrance Day, marks the first time that I will be sober prior, during, and after. It also marks the first time for feeling all of it. I am 23 again. And on this day, a 23-year-old is dying. Dying on the inside. Outwardly, though, still the perfect soldier. I will likely cry on the 11th, and that's okay. I'm allowed to be sad, the same as I am allowed to be sad now. I am mourning my brothers with the clarity of a sober mind for the first time. I won't lie to you. I still feel very inadequate, for I cannot rid myself of this pain nor any one of theirs. My brothers are dead, and I'm not. To me, that is fucking heartbreaking. But along with said sober mind comes a renewed determination and sense of duty. Although painful, I am learning to live again, to live the life that has been gifted to me by those who fell to ensure it. Men like my brothers, and I am determined, determined to live the best possible life I can. I owe it to myself, along with a humble gratitude towards them, the fallen. One of the hardest things I have ever had to do is lower one of my own ilk into the earth, but the easiest thing that I will ever have to do is remember. And remember them, I will. All of them. The ones that fell in the Great War, and the wars after. And the wars still to come. God forbid. Rest easy, brothers. Thank you. That was I Will Remember Them. And I will remember them. I am eternally grateful for having the opportunity to have gotten to know some of these great men, Starker, Wilmot. And I am so eternally grateful for the freedoms that were ensured long before. We are a pretty special nation, though at times it's easy to dismiss that and place it on the back burner. When you contextualize the rest of the world, it's easy to see just how great we are. And we are great because of people like Boomer. He volunteered for the mission that killed him. He was, for all intents and purposes, finished his tour. He was supposed to come home in about two weeks, I believe. And he volunteered as soon as he heard that there was a platoon that needed a medic for a mission. Or a convoy. And he volunteered vehemently so he was that kind of medic and that's that's the caliber of people we have in uniform that's the that is the kind of people that ensure our way of life and that is where my renewed sense of determination comes from to live a good life to live a happy life and I'm not there yet I'm not happy and I am I've got a lot of a lot of work to go. And I, I don't even know how happy I can be. I, I've been pretty good at beating myself up for a lot of years. It seems almost impossible to think of myself otherwise. But I'm willing. I'm willing to try. 
I tried when I went to rehab and put the bottle down. And now I'm trying as I engage in therapy and move past some of the more difficult aspects of what have, what's happened to me. So today, Remembrance Day, I won't go to the ceremony. I haven't been in over nine years. But I do have three handwritten letters. One for Colin, one for Andrew, and one for Michael. And attached to those letters are three poppies. And when the cenotaph is quiet and everyone's gone home and the streets are at rest, I will walk to the cenotaph and I'll place those letters down and I'll sit with a coffee and I'll remember them. All of them. Thanks for listening. And enjoy your freedom. I am. Thank you.